Thanks for joining us today on the For the Bible Tells Me So podcast. My name is Riley. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been on a team but felt like your teammates were in competition with you the whole time? It's kind of like you're supposed to be fighting for the same goal, but it just felt like there was rivalry on the team. If you have, you're not alone. The Apostle Paul felt the same thing with his Christian brothers and sisters as he was beginning this movement of God called the church. Not everybody was with Paul, but what we see with Paul is that he had a way of keeping a smile on his face even through the competition. And what we see in today's message is that contentment will always be competition. Let's get right into it. It's great to see you all. Welcome to our Thursday night young adult ministry Bible study. It's good to have you guys here. If you have your Bible with you, great. Take it out or turn it on and go to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be studying uh, a few verses. Philippians chapter 1 verses 15 through 18. 15 through 18. And as you're flipping there or turning there, Uh, Just a quick word about this passage that we're going through tonight. If you guys remember, uh, this series that we're going through is called Blessings Behind Bars. Blessings Behind Bars, because what we're reading essentially is a prison letter from the Apostle Paul while he's in prison. And he's writing it to the Philippian church to encourage them to build up their faith. And up until this point, we've just kind of gotten through the intro, right? We've been going very slowly through this book so far. But right now, we're jumping into an interesting part of the letter where, um, you know, when I first read it, I knew that something was here, but I didn't know exactly what was going on. This is not one of those passages in the book of Philippians where you're like, oh my gosh, huge application point right from the get-go. Or wow, really big theological brain dump that Paul uh, said right here. It's not really like that tonight. When I read it, I was like, I maybe we should skip this. I don't know. I just kind of blast right through it. But I'm not really building this up for what it is. I promise there's going to be some truth that we're going to see from here tonight. But I say all that because I believe what Paul is doing here in this particular portion is that he's actually just giving us a sneak peek into a very specific subculture. And that's this. It's the church leadership world. And so Paul, tonight, he's going to be talking to us about some dynamics within church leadership and pastoral ministry. And what we'll see here in a moment is that it's not all rosy. It's not all super nice. There's some hardship within the community of church leaders and specifically where Paul was at. And so he's talking to the church about what he's seeing, what the church should see, should be on guard against and should just know about as they're uh, pursuing Jesus together in community. So I'm just going to read this to you real quick, these couple verses. We'll pray, and we'll jump right into the text. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, 
but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. To live is Christ, yes, and I will rejoice. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so thankful for this passage tonight. I'm thankful that you're leading us into um, some writings from Paul that take us kind of behind the scenes a little bit. Help us see what's going on within the church leadership realm that he was dealing with. And thank you for how we get to see his resolution um, at the end of what he talks about. I'm just so thankful, Lord, that you filled this man with your spirit as a witness to how Jesus handles resolution and conflict and everything in between. So we pray tonight, God, that you would give us a deeper revelation of who Jesus is and how his example can affect every area of our lives. So we're asking for you to speak and minister and bring your word. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I watched a video recently about um, some motorcycle racers. Anybody into motorcycles in the house? Crickets. That was great. I don't, honestly, I don't know anything about motorcycles either, but somebody in our church used to be a professional motorcycle racer. I did some Googling. I was on YouTube, and I watched an interview with him and another guy um, about a race that they were going to get in. Just for the sake of the example, I'm going to say racer A and racer B. So I was watching this, and I saw racer A had an interview with this interviewer, and they were asking the same questions to Racer A as they were asking to Racer B. How are you feeling about the race coming up? Who's on your team? How's training been? Where's your mind at? Are you feeling excited? What are you thinking about? And both individuals said very similar answers, like, yeah, we've been training, we've been feeling good, got a lot of respect for this guy, but man, I'm gonna mop the floor with him once this race comes. We're gonna dominate this person. And, you know, that sounds like normal competition, trash talk, all that good stuff. But what I was surprised about was this. Both of those guys were on the same team. Same team. And I don't know if this is the same for a lot of extreme sports or not, but these two racers were racing against each other under the same team name. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know how that works. But both of these guys, same team different racers, they each have their own crew and their own fans. So these guys, they're competing for their name to be recognized, the brand to be recognized, but their teams are against each other, they're against each other, and they have all these fans who are against each other. And to me, in my brain, that doesn't make sense so much because I feel like you'd want to be working together, right? Or racing against another team or something. That seems like kind of logical sense to me but it's different in the racing world. I would like to say that in the Christian world and in the church world, that the attitudes would be different, but honestly, I'd be lying a little bit if I said that. It's really bizarre, but in the Christian world, you guys have probably experienced this if you've gone to different churches or have experienced just kind of Christian community in different places, that people, you know, in different churches have different opinions about each other. It's like, we're all on the same team, right? I thought we were all on the same team, Jesus, but it feels like this pastor is against this pastor, or this congregation believes this, and this congregation 
believes that. So they can't mix together. There's like this conflict. There's these broken relationships. And the name of Jesus gets scarred in the process to the outside people of this world. Here, what we're seeing is that Paul is dealing with that kind of drama in the church. Even at the, okay, so the book, Philippi, first church, okay? This is like Paul's first church. Even in that church, drama started. So, something so funny about humans. We don't take very long to start drama and to start heartbreak and division. But Paul is working through this right now as he's in prison and working out all these different people who say they're under the name of Jesus. They're proclaiming the gospel, but they're acting like they don't. And so Paul here, I believe, is showing us two big things that I want us to take note of, and we'll kind of explain these a little bit more. But the first thing is this. Paul has this belief that if Christ is proclaimed, then he'll just roll with the punches. He'll just roll with the punches. Notice what it says here in verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from good will. There's two different groups of people happening here, right? There's those who preach from envy and rivalry, and the others who preach from good will. Now, there's a third group that we're going to talk about here in a moment. Uh, but w- before we get there, let's talk about these two groups. I want us to kind of know the players first before we dive into Paul's resolution at the end of this passage. So, first group, okay? These are the allies for the gospel. Notice they're not allies to Paul. They're allies to the gospel. They're on Team Jesus. They're not just fighting for Paul, but they're fighting for the kingdom of Jesus. They preach from good wills, it says in verse 15. They preach from a place of love, as it says in verse 16. And they understood that Paul's imprisonments were for the defense of the gospel, as it says there in verse 16. These were people who looked at his situation in prison and they, they didn't see it as a chance to capitalize on their name, being able to be made more famous than Paul's. They didn't see it as a way to throw his name in the mud because he was in prison or anything like that. They said, man, God is still using Paul and we are about what he's doing and we're about what Jesus is doing through him. These were the allies for the gospel. The second are the competitors, not with the gospel, but with Paul. These are people who were on the same team with Jesus, but against each other. These were the people who were jealous of Paul's ministry, who saw the church growing, God doing amazing things through his life, and said, man, there's a lot of stuff happening there. I want some of that. I want those friends. I want that influence. I want that church. I want that voice. I want that broad reputation like Paul has. So while he's in prison, this is our chance to take his followers, to build our church, and to make a name for ourselves. They weren't concerned about developing a following for Jesus. They were concerned about making a following for themselves. They said they're on the team, but they're really getting people to follow themselves. There's a book, uh, I don't know if you guys read this in high school or anything, it's called uh, The Fountainhead, and the premise of the book is that there's an architect, and he's a modern architect, and he's jumping into a scene where 
the kind of architectural design is very bland and boring, and he's starting to bring in a new way of developing spaces and places. And he's getting a lot of resistance, but he will not give up at any cost. And in the book, you see that his pride is on full display, his arrogance, his boldness, his confidence, and he pushes through to make a name for himself. Now, some entrepreneurs really love this book. Um, the idea here is that that kind of mentality does not work in the church. What we're seeing here is that that kind of attitude of kind of fountainhead-ish is that if when it's in the church, it gets really messy, gets really divisive, and it becomes less about Jesus and more about the person who's speaking about Jesus. And Paul says, man, these are the competitors with me. I'm not trying to start anything here. I'm not trying to start any kind of competition, but they want this thing. Some of the brothers just cannot get on board with team gospel. They have to just get a name for themselves. Now, there's a third group of people that I want to talk about here. It's not mentioned in this passage, but I think it's important to note um, because, well, let me just tell you about them real quick, and then we'll kind of dive into it. These are the people who are actually enemies to the gospel. They're not on Team Jesus. They hate Team Jesus. They're not with the people who are serving Jesus. They hate those people. They hate the church. They hate the gospel, and they want to see God's people run down out of town. Jesus talks about these people in Matthew 7, verse 15. He says, Watch out for these false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. These are the people who are all about tearing down the people of God. I think it's important to note these people because it can be so easy in our minds when we read about the people who are just competitors with Paul and to throw them into the same camp as the wolves that are trying to tear down the sheep. And what Paul is trying to say here, and I think that he's really intentional in this, is that he's, in this passage, he's not critiquing the content of his competitors. They're, they're on Team Jesus. They're about God. They're about the gospel. They just have like a little bit of a beef with Paul. But the wolves, man, the wolves, these are the ones who are trying to tear down the church. I think that he needs to make, he was trying to make that kind of a distinction for us. Because, I think naturally, if we see someone that maybe is a bit competitive or emphasizes maybe like a secondary kind of part of the faith, if we see someone who does Christianity a bit differently, if we see someone who just speaks a little bit differently than we're hoping for, so often what we can do, I won't speak for you, I'll speak for me, but I can so often cast that person into the wolf camp just because they're doing something a bit differently than I would. They're still preaching the gospel, but maybe they emphasize the spirit in a certain way that I'm not into. Maybe they emphasize gender and leadership in a way that I don't totally agree with. Maybe they interpret scripture just a little bit differently than how I do. Maybe they're still preaching the gospel, all Jesus. They're preaching that God created men and women, that men and women fell into sin, 
that God sent his son Jesus to be that sacrifice for sin and that all who have faith in Jesus can come to know him and have life eternal with him. They preach that, but maybe they have like a secondary thing that's just a little bit different. And I know for myself, if I see someone who's preaching the gospel and emphasizes something differently than me or is a bit uh, you know, challenging, it can be easy to throw them into the wolf camp. Why is that important? Because once you throw someone into the wolf camp, you're breaking ties with that person. You're breaking ties with the family of God. And Paul isn't about that kind of message at all. Paul is all about restoration. He's about seeing the kingdom advance in this world. He's about people coming to know Jesus. And if we as believers begin to place people in the wrong camp, if we start to, you know, really critique just the method and not the content, then we can get into some dangerous places with our relationships and with our faith. And so Paul here, he's saying he's not critiquing any kind of content of these believers. He's just saying, look, there are just some people who are just kind of out to get me. We just don't get along. They don't like me. And uh, that's just kind of how it is right now. But Paul has this attitude that within Christian leadership, man, no matter somebody is with him, against him, he's going to roll with the punches as long as the name of Jesus continues to be preached and brought to light. And that brings us to our, our second point here. Paul says that if Christ is proclaimed, then I will rejoice. He says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. To live is Christ, yes, and I will rejoice. He's like, okay, so we have these people who are for the gospel. They're with me. We have these people who are for the gospel, but not with me. We have these people, he's not talking about them here, but we're kind of inserting that here. There are people who are just strip wolves who will preach a false gospel, who will lead people astray, who will bring division into the church. There's all that. So like, what do we do with that then? He just says, look, bottom line, I just want to see the message of Jesus proclaimed. In that, I will rejoice. I may never reconcile these relationships with these other leaders. We may never see eye to eye, but as long as the gospel is being preached, then I will rejoice. To live is Christ. To live is to serve. To live is to sacrifice. To live is to evangelize. To live is to baptize, to disciple, to love, to cherish. To live is Christ. And in that, I will rejoice. What I love about this is that Paul is rejoicing in two things. One, that the message of Jesus continues to go out no matter what. And two, that his life is representative of this gospel message. If, I think if, if Paul's conscience knows that the message is getting out and that his life is representative of Jesus, then he can actually rejoice. And this is beautiful. And Paul here, please don't mishear me. Paul, it may sound like he's being a bit soft, you know, on um, differences within the church. But remember what he says here. He says that he's a defender of the gospel. Why would he need to defend the gospel? 
Because somebody's trying to attack it, right? Somebody's trying to get after the gospel message, these wolves. And Paul knows, man, I got to be on the defense. I got to be ready. I have to prepare the church. He elaborates this in 1 Peter when he's talking, or not 1 Peter, 1 Timothy, when he says, guard the goods of the faith. Protect the church. Protect good teaching. So he's all about that. But he's also about loving the individual and not getting things mixed up between their intentions and the content. I feel like, you know, I don't. That's, I hope I'm explaining it well enough right now. Um, let me read to you a passage from Jesus because everything that Paul is saying here is very Jesus-like. In Mark chapter 9, verse 38 through 41, Jesus says this to his disciples. This is right after the disciples are out, they're doing ministry, they're, they're preaching, they're healing, evangelizing, and they come across somebody who they don't know who is healing and evangelizing in the name of Jesus, but they're like, I don't, we don't know who this person is. <laughs> who is this guy? And they bring this message to Jesus and say, Jesus, there's like this rando who's just preaching your name, healing people, but we don't know him. Like you want us to stop him. And Jesus says this in Mark 9, verse 39. He says, do not stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. What Jesus is saying here is like, as long as the message gets out, I'm down for the means. <laughs> just, I just, I need to know that the message is being preached. Why? Because if somebody is actually preaching the gospel, they will not easily speak an evil word about Jesus. There actually is something developing inside the heart because of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, man, he is saying, look, be on my team, follow me, speak my gospel. Paul is just reiterating that in this time of confusion in the leadership where there's division and competition. says, man, be on team Jesus. All I care about is that the word is getting out, and in that I will rejoice. So the good news is tonight that the fellowship of the believers, man, it might even be a little bit wider than you had imagined, which is beautiful to know. And I would just really encourage you that as you interact with other believers, as you hear different pastors, as you move on from Monterey and go to a different state or church or city, my encouragement to you is to look at the fruit. Maybe the pastor isn't exactly what you're hoping for. Maybe the coffee's not as good as you were hoping for. Maybe they don't have a grill. Maybe they don't have beautiful sunsets like this. Like, come on, what is happening right now? This is insane. But um, I really encourage you to look for what is the banner that's being said about somebody's life or about a church or about a ministry. Jump in with that and don't bring judgment to what God is doing in that, even if it feels a little bit different.
Thanks for being here today. Come back next Tuesday for a new episode here of the For the Bible Tells Me So podcast. Check the show notes for info about following and interacting with the young adult ministry throughout the week during Shelter in Place. We hope to see you soon.